Last week I began with a question uh, I asked you guys. I asked, do you believe that people could change? And I think I heard everybody that was in the room that they say yes. They believe that. You believe that people can experience life transformation and that people can be forever changed by the power of Jesus. And I think everyone answered yes to that, by the way, which I'm very grateful for because I do believe that as well. Yeah, I think that this is something that we all believe and this is something that we all want to see. Right? We all want to see the addicted and the broken, the afflicted, the oppressed, the vulnerable, the marginalized, the proud, and everyone in between find freedom and find healing and find purpose and find meaning. That's what we all want to see. We want to see people, our neighbors, our family members, our friends find faith and put their faith in Jesus. But today I want to begin with a different series of questions than last week, okay? If we do believe in the transformative power of Jesus for others, here's the question. Do you believe that God can and wants to use you to help others experience that transformation? In other words, if we all yes, like yes, like God, we want to see people, you know, change and transform and we believe God that God can do it. But do you believe that God wants to use you to be an agent of change for those people? You know, many of us might be able to get the fact that people can change and be transformed. However, many of us fail, often fail to see that the avenue that God uses for transformation, more often than not, is the person that you look in the mirror each day. We fail to see that God wants to use us to bring about transformation and to leave a lasting impact. Maybe you can blame it on lack of self-esteem. Blame it on a lack of confidence. Blame it on a cultural, a culture of professional Christendom in Western Christianity, where we leave the work of ministry to the pastors and leaders. Blame it on poor leadership to help us see that we are called and, 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 and help us equip us for the work of ministry. Blame whatever you want. But no matter how you slice it, there's a disconnect between a desire to see life change and our role in partnering with Jesus to bring it about. Do you guys see that there? There's a disconnect between believing in the power of God to change and transform others and us seeing our role in it. And so this is what I want to help show us today. That God not only can, but that he wants to use you to change your world. And I want to be your source of encouragement today and tell you that you can make a difference. And that God wants to use you in this world. And by the way, he's already gifted and equipped you to do so. Look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says. You have it there in your notes and it's on the screen. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. In other words, like God wants to bless you and enrich you, not just financially or monetarily, but in gifts and talents, abilities, and use you. Why? So that you can have, so you can be very talented, so you can be proud, so you can grow a big, you know, following on social media. No. So that you can be generous 
on every occasion. You know, some of you have wondered, man, what, what is my purpose in life? Why, why do you have the resources you have? Why do you live where you do? Why are you wired the way that you are? And why do you have the gifts that you do? It's for this reason right here. You don't have resources, and you don't have gifts and talents so that you can accumulate wealth. I hate to break it to you. That's not the purpose of why you have it. That's not the purpose. It's not to live lavishly. It's not to show off on social media. God has enriched you in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And God blesses you with, with gifts so that you can share these gifts and serve others and live generously. That gives you purpose. So for the rest of our time, we're going to answer three of the most common questions in regards to this topic. The first question is this. Who am I to serve? In other words, who am I called to? Who am I to live generously with? New York City's big, Danny, so that's a lot of people. Am I called to serve all 9 million people? Am I called to everyone? Well, here's where you begin. Number one, you can write this down in your notes. You begin with your people. Your people. And here's what I mean by that. We all have a circle of influence, okay? Which includes the people that we live with, that we do life with, that we work with. These are the people that God has called you and he's equipped you to love, to serve, and to share the gospel with. You guys remember the story of the Good Samaritan in the scriptures, right? It began with a question from a religious leader who asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And what he was taught, what he was asking was, in other words, he was asking Jesus, Jesus, who am I called to serve? Who am I called to love? That's what he was asking. And Jesus went on to answer his question with a parable about a man who is on a journey. And on his journey, he's beaten, he's robbed, he's left for dead. In other words, he crossed Bushwick, right? And a couple of religious leaders, they walk past the man. And they ignore him. And they see him to the side and see him nearly dead and don't do anything. They just lift their religious noses in the air and walk on by. But a Samaritan man who was passing through saw the victim in distress and he stopped what he was doing in order to be a neighbor and serve this guy. And the big idea from Jesus when he was answering this way was that your neighbor, your people, is whoever you're in close proximity to. It's not the people that look like you. It's not the people that you relate to the most. It's just whoever you brush shoulders with. That's your neighbor. Those are your people. So who are the people that you are in close proximity to? These would be your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, your family. You know, and so often we're intimidated by the who. Because maybe we don't know where to begin or we're simply intimidated with the idea of, you know, when we think about this, God is calling us. We think, man, I, I got to approach a stranger on the street and introduce myself to them and, and share the gospel with them and invite them to church and open up my life and... And it doesn't need to begin there. It can begin with your sphere of influence. With those existing relationships that you've built, where you have a level of confidence and trust and rapport. And within that context, it's just much more natural to open up. It's much more natural and easy to add value to those people. 
and to ultimately share the gospel, share the good news with. You know, in Mark chapter 5, we read about a man. You guys remember this? About a man who was possessed by demons, multiple demons. In fact, he said his name was Legion because there were so many in him. And nobody was able to restrain this guy. He was like a madman. He would yell and he would cut himself with sharp rocks and bleed all over the place. And, and they would chain him up and he would break the chains apart. And the people from the region just figured that the best thing to do would be to cage him like an animal and leave him among the tombs. They tried to restrain him. They simply couldn't. The man was oppressed, okay? He was oppressed. But in, come Jesus, in comes Jesus. And with a simple gesture and a few words, he liberates this man from the oppressive spirits that have been torturing him for so long. And as Jesus is getting ready to leave, he's ready to step onto a boat to leave the town. This man that was once uh, possessed by all these demons runs up to Jesus and begs Jesus, let me go with you, Jesus. You change my life. You forever change. I want to follow you wherever you go. I want to go with you. And he begs Jesus to go with him. But then Jesus' response to that man is interesting. You guys remember this? In Mark chapter 5, verse 19, look at what Jesus says. Jesus did not let him. In other words, Jesus tells, no, no, no. Don't step on the boat with me. Don't come with me. Look what he says. He says, go home to your own people. If you guys want to underline that part right there in your notes, you can. Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done to you and how he has had mercy on you. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, go to your people. Go home. Go home to your spheres of influence, to your relationships, to, to the people that you know. In other words, he's like, go back to your neighborhood. Go back to the place where you have all these pre-existing relationships and, by the way, where you have this notorious reputation of being a madman and tell them what Jesus has done. Show them that Jesus has the power to save and that he has the power to heal. You don't have to follow me and say that to strangers. Right in your spheres of influence, right? The people that you know in your backyard, share it with them. You know, Jesus knew that this man's story would be so impactful that it would surely, it would surely exponentially reach the hearts of the people in his community. And at the end of the day, that story would ultimately lead to God getting all the glory and the name of Jesus was spread throughout that region. In fact, look at what it did the next verse. Verse 20, look at what it says. Maybe you never caught this, but this is the man, right? The man that was once possessed. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And what's the last part of that verse say? And they were all what? Amazed. They were all amazed. His neighbors, his friends, his family members, the people in that region were all amazed. And this is what God wants to do in and through you. He wants to use your story for His glory. And He wants to do it with your people. The people that you come into close contact with on a daily basis, your friends, your family, your neighbors. So who? Who are your people? Who are the people that you are closest to? You know, it's been my experience in New York City. I, I, I know this is me, and if you lived here any amount of time, then you know this is true for you as well, that we often have, we, we, develop, this, we develop this coldness and, and this closed-offness to meeting who we're in close proximity to. 
right? And part of it is just because, man, we, you know, my neighbors are nosy, people get in my business, I don't want people, you know, we have this thing, like we want to keep privacy, and, which is funny when, we, when you share a house with 40, 50, 60, 100 other families, right? It's hard to keep things private, right? When everything is so close together and we're not willing to even get to know our neighbor's name or even get to build a relationship with them. The same thing with work. You can work with 20, 30, 40 other co-workers and not get to know many people at your job. Because as New Yorkers, we become reserved. We have this defense mechanism that pops up. But Jesus wants you to go to your people, to the people that you're in proximity with, the people that are around you. And God wants to use your story for his glory. So the next question that we want to answer today is, if we're able to work through the who... Right. Then the next question is, where am I to serve? Right. Who am I to serve as your people? OK, where do I do it? Where do I do it? Do Danny, do I need to uproot my life? Do, do I need to move overseas? Right. Is that the next step? Is that what Jesus is calling me to do? Danny, my passport expired. Should I be renewing it tomorrow? Or, you know, what what am I to do? Where am I to serve? Or here's the answer to that. Number two, you can write this down. Your place. Your place. Now listen, as I look around this room, maybe God might be calling some of you to move to another state, another country, another continent. I, I don't know, maybe, you know. And if he does, make sure you obey, okay? If he does call you to, to go to the other side of the world. But here's what I know for sure right now for everybody in this room. And that is that God has placed each of us in a place where we can have influence. In, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, check this out, guys. In the book of Jeremiah, you know that chapter that says, I have plans to prosper you, and blah, 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 and all this stuff, right? That same chapter in, uh, in, in Jeremiah, the, the people of God, when, when, G, when, when God is communicating that prophecy to them, they're actually in exile away from their homes in Jerusalem. They're not in Jerusalem. They're actually in, uh, in, in Babylon, and and they're exiled. They're, they're slaves. They were taken captive. So they're away from their home in Jerusalem, and they're captive in Babylon. You know, for us, we're constantly reminded throughout the scriptures as well that this is in our home, right, as well. That we are also exiles and that our true residence isn't here, but it's with God, right? Well, out of all the things that God could have told the people while they're exiled in Babylon, he could have said, you know, fight to go back home. He could have said, resist the enemies, defeat the enemy. Or he could have said, run away and hide from them. But look at what God says instead through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 through 7. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles. I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Look at what he says. Build houses and live in them. He says, plant tomatoes and cucumbers and avocados and eat their produce. Then he says, find wives for yourselves and, and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. In other words, begin to have your family, grow your family right there. But wait, God, I'm not at home. I'm not where I'm comfortable. No, no, no. Start your family right there. Buy a house. Plant tomatoes. Multiply there. Do not decrease. And then in verse 7, he says this. Pursue 
the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, guess what? You're going to thrive as well. Isn't that fascinating? Essentially, what the prophet Jeremiah was communicating on behalf of God was that the people of God were to lay deep roots and invest in the city they were currently in. Not to dream and plan about going back home and going back to Jerusalem and going back where the culture was the way they knew it and, and they had everything set up and they had the temple and they had what they were used to. God said, no, 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 right where you are. Lay deep roots where you are. Build, invest, start a business, grow a family right where you are. And by seeking the well-being of the city, when it thrives, you're going to thrive as well. Excuse me. So God has placed each of us into different spheres of society as well. And he calls you to have an influence in each of these areas. Everybody here, every single one of us, everyone here, you function in at least one of these spheres of influence in our society. But likely you, you function in multiple of these spheres of society. And this is where you are sent to be on mission, to influence, to make a difference, to serve, and to declare the goodness of God. I'm going to try to rapid fire these really quick. It's about, I think it's seven spheres of influence, okay? Seven spheres of society. Here's the first one. You can write it down. That is church. This is a sphere of society. The, the church isn't the only sphere of influence, but it is an important one. And the church, guys, is the bride of Christ. And when Jesus returns, he's coming for his bride. Listen, stains, imperfections, and all, that's who Jesus is coming back for. And this is an area that we are called to have influence and serve. So this would include using your gifts, your talents, your abilities to serve in and through the local church. This would include living generously to fuel the mission of the church. And this would include inviting others with you to hear the gospel. This would include contributing to the forming of, of community and strengthening relationships right here in your local church. With all its imperfections, with all its shortcomings, the church is one sphere of influence. Here's the second one, is government. Government. I know that sounds like I said a dirty word. It's, it's, it's not because we absolutely need fully devoted followers of Christ influencing and serving within the government. Can you guys imagine how different the world would be if we had true followers of Jesus with working inside of the government? You know, if you're tired of corruption and twisted policies and lack of progress, maybe it's because there are not many Christians running for office to infiltrate and influence and advance the kingdom of God. Imagine, imagine if we had followers of Jesus in this place. Here's the next fear of influence, entertainment. Entertainment. This would be for all the aspiring musicians and actors and actresses and, and sports and those who are in the performing arts, drama and dance. We need followers of Jesus in this field as well. What about education? That's the next one. We need teachers that are full of the Holy Spirit, loving, teaching and serving the children of our city. Teachers that genuinely care for the children that they teach and that they have the patience to understand and endure the complexities of raising children in an especially urban and impoverished context. We need people that have the passion of Jesus teaching our kids, that have patience, that don't see children as a nuisance but as a blessing of God and that are willing to invest into our children. 
Here's the next fear of influence, business. We need followers of Jesus with entrepreneurial giftings to start businesses and hire people within their communities where people can be treated with care and, and a business can be run ethically, right? Where those same business owners can now generously sow back the profits back into the kingdom of God, into the communities that it serves. Can you imagine if we have business owners that weren't just selfishly, selfishly trying to grow their pockets so they can buy another Tesla and buy another vacation home, but that they, they use their wealth to invest it back into the community and to advance the kingdom of God? Can you imagine that? Here's the next fear of influence, media. Media, you know, it's so funny that we live in a world where you can make a living by posting to the internet. Isn't that insane? But we need more Christian social media influencers, right? We need more Christian family vloggers, like Taurus Family Vlogs, like and subscribe. We need more people like that to influence, to put out content. Right? That, that, you know, how much, how much nonsense and, and vulgar things and how many cat videos can you watch? Right? We need followers of Jesus. What, what if we had people with gifting to produce amazing gospel-infused content? Not crappy content, like really good content to put out there that would inspire people and motivate people and encourage people and that would make a difference in this sphere. Can you imagine? And here's the last fear, family. Family. The enemy has done a number on the family and he continues to attempt to demolish and dismantle the family unit, which was, listen, constituted by God himself. We need godly marriages that don't see divorce as an option and fight through the most difficult and godly parents who lead with love and that are present in their families' lives. And, and godly children who respect their children and submit to their parents. And, and a family on mission that is loving and serving their neighbors and, and putting the gospel on display. Not trying to selfishly put up a, 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 you know, this false perfect picture online. But that are living on mission. Showing Bushwick, showing our neighbors, showing the world. We ain't got it together, but look what a godly family looks like. So where do you serve? Where are you called to make a difference? Well, which of these spheres of influence has God placed you in? Not everybody's in business. Not everybody's in, in, in education or entertainment. But I bet you, as we went through this list, one of them, two of them, three of them, you realize God has wired you and gifted you for that, for that area. So he's called you to be in that sphere of influence. You're called, you're equipped, and you're gifted by God to go and make a difference in one or a few of these places. And listen, you don't need me to confirm that or affirm that in your life. The affirmation, the confirmation all comes from God. He's called you to make a difference in one of these areas. So here's the last question we're going to answer. Am I going a little long today? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. I didn't look at the time I started. But uh, the last question we're going to answer is the what. All right? What? And this is where so many of us get hung up on, okay? Well, Danny, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do, Danny? And here's number three. Here's what you're going to write down. Your passion. Your passion. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 
one, I'm going to ask you guys to read from where it says urge you. Okay, do you see that? I'll start us off, and then when it says urge you, you jump in with me. Is that cool? This is Paul writing this in the book of Ephesians. He says, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, go, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Underline that last part right there in your notes. The calling that you have received. I urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. Here's what I know about everyone that is in this room. God has uniquely gifted and called each and every single one of you a certain way. And each one, each one of you is unique and different. But when we work together, when we move together, it's a thing of beauty. Like a well-oiled machine, all functioning together for the glory of God. When Paul talks about this in the scriptures, he uses the picture of the human body. And he says that the church is like a body, that there's a bunch of different moving parts. And each part is distinct and has a different job. But they're all designed to work together as a unit. The hand is distinct from the foot. But the hand has its job and the feet has his, right? Your ears aren't meant to smell, right? But your nose is. Your tongue can't see, but your eyes can. And likewise, we all have unique gifts and passions that God has given each of us. And when we put them together, man, we are a force to be reckoned with. Which is why I'm such an advocate for you to discover the ways that you have been wired by God and to begin to use it for His glory. You don't have to try to go for what somebody else has or what somebody else is good at because God has already given you something that is unique to you. So what is the calling that you have received? What are the ways that God has gifted you? Listen, not everyone is called to teach the Bible. That's not everybody's calling. Not everyone is called to play an instrument. That's not everybody's calling. Not everyone is called to move overseas. And not everyone is called to do what you're passionate about. But you are called to it. So take steps towards walking worthy of the calling that you have received. Whatever it is. Because you are unique. And God has uniquely wired you. He's uniquely gifted you. And unfortunately, you know, it's really unfortunate that in Christianity, in Christian's world, our aspiration is to be the guy on the stage, the girl on the stage, the one with the instrument, right? The one that's talking the most. And God hasn't called everybody to do that. And the people that God has called that to hasn't been called to what He's called you to do. And when we all work together, utilizing our different God-given gifts, it's a thing of beauty. The church working together. So are you guys ready to change your world? Then it begins with those that God has placed right around you. You don't have to go and meet strangers. Maybe God has called you to do that. Then you go and do it. You just have this crazy evangelistic gift to go and meet people and tell them about Jesus and invite them to church, then you do that. But I know many of us might be intimidated to start there. You don't need to start there. Who are the people that God's placed right around you? Do you have any family members that are far from God? Any dear friends that are far from God? Any co-workers? Any neighbors? Where do you go? 
Danny, do I need to go to Iraq? Do I need to go to the Middle East? Do I need to go to Africa? Do I need to go X, Y, Z? No. Function right where God has you. We trust in God's sovereignty, right? For some reason, everybody that's in this room, our paths have collided in this moment. And God doesn't make mistakes. So right where you are, where do you have the most influence? What do you want? What does God, what does God want you to do? Don't do what you're not good at, okay? You're going to function best, and you're going to be most successful utilizing all the gifts, the ways that God has uniquely called you, gifted you, and wired you. That's where you're going to function best. Let's pray. God, I just pray that you would uh, give us courage, God, to serve those that you've placed right around us. Those friends, those family members, those neighbors, those co-workers. And, uh, and God, I pray you would give courage, uh, Lord, right now. To those of us who've been thinking about having that conversation with that family member that we love so dearly or that co-worker, you would give us courage to do that um, from a place of relationship and a place of, of reputation and friendship that we can go ahead and serve those right around us. I pray, God, you would help us to see the spheres of influence that you've placed us in as our mission field. If it's education or entertainment or the church or government, God, I pray that you would raise up godly leaders right in this room to serve and minister within those spheres of influence, God that we would be able to identify that as our mission field. And God, I pray you would help us to identify and to walk in the unique giftings that you have given us for your glory, for the good of others, and so that Jesus' name may be made famous. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.